Good morning, everybody, again. And uh, I hope you'll listen to this uh, streaming once more or twice more or three times more just for the music this morning. It's been wonderful. And, and uh, the, the words of these songs are our worship to the Lord God, our creator and maker. And it's just wonderful to, uh, to sing together. I'd like to say a big thank you, first of all, to a number of people. And I'm not going to name them all, but I want to say to Wes and Cindy and John, our pastors, and the tireless work that they've done during these difficult weeks. But I also want to just say the office workers, the uh, music, children's ministries, tech upstairs in the balcony, and in between the weeks, uh, youth, discipleship, mercy ministries, compassion, committee people, they all deserve our thanks. And you deserve our thanks for ministering to each other, and I just want to say thank you. But we also must admit, these have been difficult days at home, at work, in our institutions, health concerns, economic struggles, school concerns, and distance from and sometimes loss of people we love in these days. Add to the, added to this are, of course, the the current struggles and soul-searching events sweeping our nation and the world. That's the context for our message today. So we pray for God's peace and his strength and his patience and comfort to us all. But here's the question. How are then we followers of Jesus supposed to make a difference in our world? Is there anything encouraging today on Trinity Sunday? Yes. Our calling, our mission arises directly from an amazing relationship God has offered us with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible never uses the term, actually, Trinity, but it permeates the pages of the Bible from Genesis to the book of Revelation. Now, don't be disappointed. This is pretty, a pretty simple sermon not a deep theological exploration. But here it is. Our texts from the Gospels of Matthew and John reveal God's nature and the link to our mission in the world with him. Before we get to them, I have a print of a painting in my office that hangs in my office. I'd like you to see it. The original is a large I don't even know if the screen can get it on the screen. It's a large 70-year-old oil-on-canvas painting created by my grandfather, H. Willard Ortlip. It's entitled, All Power. And it could be a little puzzling to see at first glance. I see the Trinity when I look at it. At the top, among the clouds, we see God, the loving Father, almost hidden and you have to look close to the original to see the shape, whatever God looks like, <laughs> in the glorious light of heaven. Then Christ the Son, our Savior. It's ob he's obvious in the middle. He came to give his life a ransom for many and to reveal the Father's love to the world. At the bottom of the picture, you might see something a little bit more puzzling. There is a plowman representing all people, all of us, going about our daily life. 
but surrounding him is a glow of the Holy Spirit, filled with purpose and the power and the presence of God. I feel like we are plowing through some tough times today. Can the triune God help us? Let's look at Matthew 28 first, reverse order from what we heard in the scripture. After his resurrection and before returning to his father, Jesus announced that the authority for his work and our work comes from God. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Who gave Jesus this authority? His father, who sent him to earth on a mission. God, the creator, the king of the universe, and he's still watching and he's still involved. He's the sovereign Lord and he's involved with us today. He's not sleeping. That's who gave him the authority. And then Jesus the Son was his God's emissary to earth who lived and taught and sacrificed his life to reveal God's heart and invitation to abundant life. His three profound years of ministry are our blueprint for mission. The four gospel writers paint a marvelous picture of how the kingdom, how we ought to be kingdom people today. Jesus said, if you want to know God, look at me. And Jesus says, our assignment is to enlist and make disciples, followers of his, by passing along all of Jesus' teachings and example. The new followers are to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, now there's the Trinity. But who is the third member? He's the one who enables Jesus to say, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the Spirit's work in the world and in us. What an assurance and what a comfort, even in today's world. He's still with us. So in this brief command at the end of his ministry, Jesus affirms the triune God, the Father, the originator of the mission, the Son, the embodiment of the mission, and the Spirit, the enabler of the mission. Now let's turn back to John, or over to John, Gospel chapter 20. Here Jesus, on Easter evening, a couple weeks before the one we just read, appeared to his confused, fearful disciples in the upper room. What were Jesus' first words? Peace be with you. They were overjoyed at the sight of their risen Lord, seeing his outstretched, wounded hands. And so a second time he says, peace be with you. You know, we all are, could welcome and do welcome a large dose of Jesus' peace today. Fear is the last thing we need as a church and as people of God. But what follows ought to sound familiar. As the Father sent me, of course, as the Father, again, the whole thing about the Father in heaven, sent me, Jesus, the Son, the messenger, and the model of his mission. And then he says, I'm sending you. Here's the post-resurrection mission for his people. We're in this world for a reason. Don't ask for an escape rocket to get you off the uh, rocket going up into space. Don't ask to 
get out of here. We're here for a reason. The Father sends the Son, and the Son sends us, his followers. Let me pause. First and foremost, this has always been God's mission. It's not our mission. We get all excited about our projects, our agendas, our programs, our platforms. We blow the horn about our accomplishments. But never, never forget, as Christians, our mission is his mission. Our agenda is his agenda. And if we are not on God's mission, we're beating the wrong drum. And if we're taking credit, we've blown it. The credit belongs to him. But back to the upper room. We're not quite done. Verse 22, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He must have been listening to sunshine in her children's sermon. He breathed on them. There's a third person, the Holy Spirit. And with the Spirit, we can, be we can fulfill our job of spreading the good news of God's love and God's forgiveness. So in these two brief significant scenes, Jesus made it clear that the Father sent the Son, and the Son sends his followers, and the Son sends the Holy Spirit, God the Trinity, and we, God's people, are in this together. I had a Houghton College professor, many of you know him, Warren Woolsey, and he introduced me to Bishop, Bishop Leslie Newbigin, British missionary to India, who began to emphasize in his later writings what we've just been talking about, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, is at the heart of mission and invites us to participate with him in his mission. The Father in heaven is the sender, the source. The Son, Jesus, is the embodiment, the messenger and model of mission. And the Holy Spirit is the provision, the power for us to do the mission. Okay, I referred to sunshine, Sullivan. I'm going to have to say, let's take a breath. Let's take a review. Let's, let's just think about our lives. I've been thinking about my life a lot in 2020 because in a few weeks I will have been married 50 years, 50, 5-0. It's a long time. And my dear wife and I have been ministering together for almost that long. How has it gone? How have I handled this? You know, to dwell above with saints we love, that will be glory. But to live below with people we know, that's another story. And uh, I uh, live with people now, but I just was thinking back to those first few years in the 1970s, running a rowdy teenage youth group in Chicago near O'Hare Airport. And then five years with a country blue-collar church in mid the Midwest with uh, a congregation of sheep, and I was supposed to be the shepherd. And then a dozen years as a missionary in West Africa, trying to adapt to a new culture and to 
teach and relate the ministry of Christ to people that were very different, but I grew to love. And then, of course, there are almost three decades here in Houghton at the Houghton Academy and the college, working alongside people. And I don't know how well I've done. I've tried to be a learner, tried to serve God faithfully and represent him to others. And you know God is good. He's brought fruit all through that, in spite of my lows and my highs. How are you, as Sunshine said, assessing your life, demonstrating and living out the gospel in this topsy-turvy world of ours? It's good to assess this once in a while. The key is to draw on the eternal love of the Godhead. A scholar and friend of mine, Timothy Tennant, again a former missionary to India and currently the head of Asbury Seminary, says, Mission is about simultaneously entering into the inner life of God as the missionary God, as well as entering into the world where the triune God is actively at work. Entering into the life of God and into our world. I say, let's keep doing this together. And here is the key that fills my heart today, and I want you to hear. The key is understanding Trinity love. We've been singing about it. It's the relationship the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have had together since the beginning of time or before the beginning of time. What's the most common verse in the Bible? God so loved the world that he gave. It's what makes God totally different from other religions and other deities in this world. Think about it. God was in love before the world was even created. This leaps out to us in the entire Gospel of John. There are dozens and dozens of references to Jesus and his relationship to the Father in this Gospel. Note especially, and my favorites would be John chapter 1, the great prologue, prologue, and in the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. I challenge us to look up the number of times Jesus refers to his Father and describes his Father's relationship of love to himself and to the world. From eternity, God is love. And in a loving community and relationship amongst the three persons long before creation, Yet creating this world and human beings was about broadening and extending his love, an invitation to connect with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want to read just a couple of words from Jesus' prayer in John 17. Listen closely. He prays, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. That's Jesus saying to his Father, you've loved me. I read on. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I may, myself may be in them. You see this a lot in John chapter 15, the 
uh, abide in me chapter and I in you. There's a fellowship of love between the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and us that he's welcoming us to. So in John chapters 15 through 17, the Holy Spirit is significantly entered into the picture. Listen to Jesus describe for his disciples his relationship with the Spirit. John chapter 16, verses 13 to 15. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into the truth. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. He's talking to the disciples. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said to the Spirit, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you, to us. Think of it. He went back to heaven with the Father so that he could send the Spirit to us. The persons of the Trinity were in tight communion, in relationship, in unity, in love, and we are invited to join with them. Michael Reeves puts it this way in a refreshing recent book, Delighting in the Trinity. God is love because God is Trinity. Think about that. He continues, Christianity is not primarily about lifestyle, about lifestyle change. It is about knowing God. He concludes, no exaggeration, the knowledge of God turns our lives around. How does he turn our life around in this swirling world of unemployment, pandemic, panic, protest? I'm going to tell you about John Perkins. 90-year-old John Perkins seems to have the answer. Pers Perkins, John Perkins made a profound impact on me right out of college during the early civil rights movement in our country. His story is told in a book, Let Justice Roll, Let, Let Justice Roll Down. It still is a disturbing yet very encouraging read. His integrity and influence stayed steady for these last 50 years. He's a godly man of deep faith, action, and wisdom. Early on, he was unjustly jailed and beaten in Mississippi during the 60s, but he stayed strong. He pushed for reconciliation, and with his wife and his children and the community he worked with, he profoundly impacted urban and rural community development over the years. Only this week, I got my eyes on a very recent book of his, written when he was 89. It's called, He Calls Me Friend. I'll say it again, a title of the book, He Calls Me Friend. He walks with us through the loving interrelationship of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Their eternal love is shared with God's people throughout the pages of Scripture, and that love is key to Perkins's stunning influence on racial reconciliation and healthy relationships nurtured with many people throughout his lifetime. Perkins says, God calls each of us, each of us his friends. 
He calls each of us into intimate face-to-face fellowship with him and faithful obedience to his commands. He sits and communicates with us along the journey of life. Wanting to be like him sends us into friendship and right relationships with others. We're just scratching the surface today, but our mission isn't complicated. We don't need to be whiny, defensive, complaining church members. We must not be strident, proud, uncaring people. As Perkins says, quote, he, God, makes possible the revolution that can heal the centuries-old hurts and hatred that divide us. Folks, we simply need to be wrapped up in the arms of our loving God, God, Father, the outstretched hands of our living Christ. We can be empowered with the ever-present Holy Spirit walking in the footsteps of Jesus. I say, Lord, help us. I'll let John Perkins have the last word. He says, in my 89 years on this earth, I have come to believe that the purpose of man is to know this awesome God, to love him, serve him, and worship him, and to make him known. In his grace, he has shown us how. Amen, brother.